0: You're listening to a ninety five BFM podcast.
1: You're tuned into the wire, one hour of
2: current affairs and analysis starting
3: now. and welcome to the wire for our upper Wednesday. I'm your host Nicholas, and I'll be with you for the next hour. I'm joined in the studio with producers Otto. S- Otto and Sophia. If I Akine, coming up on the show, I speak to Green Party co leader James Shaw about the passing of his friend and colleague, Fa'anana Efeso Collins. I also speak to Associate Professor at the University of Auckland, Amy Chan, about new research into vaccine hesitancy. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by AUSA President Alan Shaker to discuss Oweek at AUOA, the merger between the student associations, and the Postgraduate Union Association joining the AUSA. Sophia, what do you have for us?
4: I had a chat with veteran activist and head chair of the Palestine Solidarity Network Aotearoa, John Minso, about the fundamentals of protesting.
0: Otto, what do you have for us? I spoke to John Crocker from Unite Union to discuss the recent review of the accredited employer work visa scheme and its impact on migrant workers.
3: He ahoa whakaro, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on any of these pieces, so get in touch, tukipatui mai, text in on 5395, or wai mai rane, give us a call in the studio on 309-3879. Kawe e ahe ana te whakaroon ki ine koreroa, hei paki he roki roki marunga te pai tukutuku, o irirangi poho mi ki 95BFM, i kati kom. You can catch all these stories and more by podcast on the 95BFM website, 95BFM.com.
5: It's time to hear from the Green Party with co leader James Shaw.
3: On Wednesday last week, New Zealand was shocked to learn of the sudden passing of Greens MP, Fa'anana Efeso Collins. Efeso began his career as a youth worker before joining the Auckland Council as a councillor for the the Monaco ward. He later ran for mayor with the endorsement of both Labour and the Greens before campaigning for the Green Party in last year's election. In his maiden speech, Collins highlighted his wish to be a champion for the underserved and underprivileged members of our society, saying, The government cannot be a bystander to people suffering confusion and disenfranchisement. New Zealand must close the divide between those who have and those who have not, because the reality for my community is that those who have more money often wield more power, more health, more housing, more justice, more access, more canopy cover, more lobbyists with swipe cards, and more time. I spoke to Green Party co-leader James Shaw about the passing of his friend and colleague, whaanana Efeso Collins.
5: Um, I, I only really got to know Efeso in the last couple of years. I met him during his mayoral campaign two years ago, uh, which, of course, the Greens were quite strong supporters of. Um, there are others like Martimer and Tiano uh, and Darlene in our caucus who have known him for many years, you know, right back to kind of university days and so on. And and my relationship with him was really good. I, I was r- really looking forward to seeing him flourish in Parliament. He felt like he'd he, he really felt like he'd arrived in a in a kind of sense of. You know, he'd had this long career of community work and, you know, working local body and so on and so forth, and all of that I just think set him up for what was going to be a great future. So the thing I'm mourning, personally mostly, is that kind of lost, that lost future.
3: Mm. Do you have any particular memories in your mind that you believe kind of highlight his ethos or the way he carried himself throughout his political career or his time with the Green Party?
5: Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I, I think there are, uh, there's kind of three things that, that, I, that I remember that really kind of gave me an insight into who he was as a person, one of which is that during our candidate list ranking conference about a year ago, uh, when he was still kind of introducing himself to a lot of the uh, kind of green membership who, who decide on our, on our list, he, I had quite a long chat to him, about his kind of political journey and how, you know, he changed his mind on certain things. And, you know, it really did strike me that he had, um, you know, two things that often you don't find together in politicians, which is a real sense of strong values and and who he was there to serve on the one hand, um, like a real spine made of steel but also a real openness um, and a sort of a generosity of spirit and a humility, you know, that kind of let other people be who they are um, and have their opinions, even if they were completely different to his own. You know, so that that's a very rare quality um, in a politician or in, or in a leader. So, so there was that. The second one was during... One of our early caucus meetings, when when we were first coming together, we we kind of got into a bit of a difficult conversation. And it was, you know, sometimes in in a big group, it's like, oh, it's all awkward. So no one kind of says anything. And Efeso kind of stopped the conversation and said, no, actually, we do need to talk about this. We don't want to walk over that. And got got us to be able to actually have the difficult conversation. And you know, that again was that just that one little intervention, you know, right in one of our very first meetings as a group, again just showed me that he both had a, a sort of a, a deep empathy, like he could, you know, read read the room really well, but then that he would do what it took to ensure that we moved on as a group. Again, a, a sort of a real active a real active leadership. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and and then the third the third one really um, was uh, just the way that he talked about you know his his kind of political journey and and the and the kind of people and communities that he had interacted with who had shifted him on things as well.
3: Yeah, and I, I kind of just want to wrap up with a question about his I guess regarding to his legacy. Fissel was kind of praised as a champion for underprivileged and underserved communities. Yes. Is there a particular area of, of work that a festival champion that you want to see carried on by his Green Party colleagues?
5: Well, yes. So he... I mean, you know, I think one of the reasons why he came to the Green Party was because, you know, we, of all parties in Parliament, have really highlighted um, and championed the cause of economically excluded and underprivileged people in our society. And so... I think that's why we kind of came together. But he had a particular um, reach into uh, South Auckland uh, communities in particular, um, and into uh, Pacifica communities, uh, and so on, which you know has has not historically been a strength of ours. You know, tiano has been doing a lot of work uh, in the last term, um, but he's sort of been on his own. So, you know. Th- Efeso, as you can tell from the, just the outpouring of support over the course of the last week since he died, you know, touched on thousands upon thousands of lives. Um, and, and so there is a real hole there uh, that's missing for us um, and, and that we're going to need to find a way to, to fill and to live up to the kind of standard and, and the challenge that he left us.
3: That was Green Party co leader James Shaw. That was James Shaw for the Green Party. The Wire.
4: Hit the tracks at Motat for a day filled with tramtastic fun at the ever popular live day, Trams, Sunday, March 17th.
2: Check out their stunning fleet of trams, including their double-decker tram, Big Ben.
6: Keep track of your rides throughout the day with a tram tracker card.
2: Plus, you can even make your own mini tram to take home.
6: Motat's Live
4: Day, Trams, Sunday, March 17th, 10am till 4pm, included in general entry. Find out more at motat.nz.
0: The start of your week just got a whole lot burger. Reburger are offering get a free upgrade of loaded fries on Mega Size Mondays, and on Cheapskate Tuesdays you can get a burger, fries, and a drink for only eighteen bucks. Plus, keep your eye out for special burgers dropping. Reburger, the burger with ingredients as fresh as you are. Twenty-one Woodacre Place, Grafton. Head to Reburger.co.nz or cop the app to beat the queues.
6: We are counting down the days until innovative artist Mickey Blanco puts on one hell of a show at Neck of the Woods. And if you are too, and you have a B card, then you could nab yourself some tickets. Just tune in to 95 BFM Breakfast all week for your cue to enter. 95 BFM presents Mickey Blanco. Friday, March 8th, Neck of the Woods. Get your tickets from under the radar. We're at a dinner table in a flat. Alright, help yourself. Mmm, what's in this? Uh, why? What do you mean? Uh, it's good for you? Yeah, no, it's, it's just, a, it tastes a bit like electro swing. Well, it's not. I, I seasoned it with a little upright bass, yeah. and, and we had leftover jazz vocal. Uh, yeah, I, look, I'm getting takeout. What's Cooking? Every Wednesday evening, 95BFM Drive is joined by a very special guest for great chat about extremely savoury tunes. What's Cooking? Supported by Auckland art gallery Toi Tāmaki. Become a member today for great art benefits. The
4: government has indicated a procre... A, the, the, a procre- a pre- oh,
7: wow.
3: The Wire. New research looking into vaccine vaccination hesitancy in Aotearoa has been released from the University of Auckland. The research was prompted by lower rates of vaccination following the COVID-19 pandemic, with an aim to uncover what information was most important to Kiwi's considerations around vaccination. I spoke to lead investigator, Associate Professor Amy Chan, about the study's findings.
8: So this one was um, a, a vaccine, it was an ex- a online a choice survey or choice experiment where, um, where people get to t- pick between two hypothetical vaccine options and the aim of that particular methodology is so that they can trade off different vaccine attributes or vaccine characteristics and basically identify or rank how important each of those characteristics are for an individual. So for example, they were presented with like option A vaccine, which shows maybe a longer duration of protection, but needing like three doses to achieve that versus option B, where they might have a, only require like one dose but you might get a much shorter duration of protection. So trying to help people decide which is the characteristic that's most important to them.
3: And what were the main findings that came out of this research?
8: So what we found was that um, the most important factor that influences people's decision making around vaccination is uh, whether people have severe uh, side effects to the vaccine or not and also uh, how effective it is in protecting them. So when it comes to delivering information about vaccination, what's really important, I think, is highlighting to people what they risk of having severe side effects, so it's the severe ones that lead to hospitalisation that they're interested about, not just around the risk of mild adverse effects, for example, like a sore arm or having a mild fever.
3: How will the data collected from this study and, and the findings of the study help to inform public health decisions in future?
8: I think what our study really found, and we, the survey was completed by over 600 Kiwis um, just after the COVID pandemic, was really identifying um, what information and how, which order we need to give the information to people um, based on how important it is to them. And in general, the New Zealand public really valued getting information about serious side effects how effective the vaccination is and how long they will be protected for. So when it comes to giving information about vaccines, I think this is really helpful for policymakers or public health campaigns around vaccination that these three pieces of information is what we should prioritise. Um, interestingly, um, like, for example, other things such as um, where the vaccine comes from or how long it's been developed, those things tend to be prioritised much lower by most people in New Zealand. Um, so in a limited time, uh, in a consultation, we may want to choose carefully which pieces of information we talk about first with our um, patients in public.
3: I wanted to ask you about access to information about vaccines and... And if there is enough access to information about vaccines out there and, and where people can go to kind of find information about vaccinations?
8: So there are a variety of sources. So one of the key issues around information about vaccination is such a controversial and hot topic that there is often misinformation and disinformation about vaccination that's found online. We really recommend people go to trusted health sources, such as things like, you know, Healthify or Minister of Health websites. But also we have IMAC, um, which is the Immunisation Advisory Centre for New Zealand, which has a lot of really useful and trusted information about vaccination. So always checking where the information comes from and using a trusted source of information would be the best
3: that was Associate Professor Amy Chan discussing new research into vaccination hesitancy.
1: This is a sad, sad
7: day. Um, BFM, the font of liberalism and tolerance at the <laughs> centre
2: of the University of Auckland.
3: The Wire. We'll be back after a quick break. Make sure you keep it on the beer. Experimental metal
6: band Mr. Bungle make their highly
3: anticipated
6: return with the raging wrath of Australia and New Zealand tour. Live at the Auckland Town Hall, Sunday, March 3rd. Oh, there you go. Bungles are set to thrash with an electrifying performance and Wild entrance. Mr. Bungle, joined by fellow pop stars Melvins at the Auckland Town Hall, Sunday, March 3rd. For complete tour and ticket information, visit livenation.co.nz. Join MoTat
4: in celebrating Pacifica Festival with Pacifica Vibes. March 9 and 10. Get free entry into MoTat's Great North Road location and enjoy Pacific dance and music, coconut shaving, and delicious food. Plus, delight in movie screenings of Pacific short films and documentaries. MoTat. Supporting and celebrating Pacifica Festival again for 2024. March 9 and 10. Find
6: out more at moTat.nz. ReCircle is Aotearoa's first second-hand supermarket. And they can sell your clothes, household items, records, toys and more. You can rent a stall at ReCircle to sell your treasures or shop for awesome second-hand stuff. ReCircle is serious about secondhand shopping. Are you? Find them in person at 4 Galatos Street behind K Road or online at recircle.nz. Gang
8: of Four. Gang of Four, Four. Every Friday night, BFM's got you covered for the best tunes to preload to. With a revolving cast of BFM's favourite long-serving selectors, it's the Gang of Four, With Renee Jones, Pat Five, Phil Armstrong and The Professor. Gang of Four, Four. Friday, 7 to 9pm
3: on 95 BFM. Is it too late in the process, though, to change that?
4: Nothing's too late, bro. Everything's made up in politics. The Wire. As a new batch of fishers enter university, I thought it would be appropriate to return to the basic fundamentals of protesting. I spoke to veteran activist John Minto about the hows, whys and whens of protesting, narrowing in on the most current Palestine protests happening across the country. As the National Chair of the Palestine Solidarity Network Aotearoa, Minto discusses important context to know and resources to get involved.
1: Well, what's currently happening is uh, that Israel is conducting a a genocidal campaign against the people of Gaza uh, because uh, the um, Palestinian resistance groups attacked Israel from Gaza and it's really important to understand that for the last 76 years, Palestinians have suffered um, under a a brutal colonial occupation run by Israel, and Israel has refused to allow Palestinian refugees to return to their land. So those refugees, I mean, 80% of Gazan people are refugees who have been kicked off their land by Israel. Basically, the land's been stolen from them. They launched an attack on on Israel, and Israel has responded with this genocidal campaign, which has resulted in almost 30,000 people being killed and these are people, the majority of whom are women and children, just just slaughtered uh, in bombing from the air by snipers, by uh, an Israeli army, which has, uh, as I said, genocidal intent and is conducting numerous war crimes every day against the Palestinian people. So we've got mass protests in New Zealand and around the world to call on our governments to condemn what Israel is doing and demand that Israel stop.
4: If someone wants to attend a protest, maybe for the first time, where would you recommend they go and find resources?
1: Well, the place to go um, is the Palestinian, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, the Palestine Solidarity Network uh, website, which is at. Um, it's very simple. It's, it's www.psna.nz. So psna.nz, and on the front page there, you can scroll down and find all the events that are coming up. So for example, this coming weekend we've got events I think in 23 different centres around the country and people can join those events and become part of this global movement because this is such an important movement. This issue is the human rights issue of this generation. It is um, so important that we um, condemn what Israel is doing. We call for an end to its colonial occupation of Palestine. We call for equal rights for everybody uh, between the river and the sea. In other words, the, uh, the the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which is historic Palestine. Israel's taken over the whole the whole of that historic Palestine. We want equal rights for everybody in that area, and we want an end to Israeli policies which uh, are brutalising the Palestinian people. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Joining the international campaign is such an important thing to do. It's something that um, will resonate down, down the generations from this time on.
4: How do protests work to enact change?
1: Well, what they're doing is they're saying that um, that they believe their presence can make a difference, and the difference is we want to see, as I've said, an end to genocide in Gaza, and we want to see freedom and self-determination for the Palestinian people. And by going to a protest, what you're doing, uh, you're adding your practical support. You're putting your you're putting your body right there as part of um, a movement across the globe, which is you know demanding justice and, and freedom for 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 Palestinians. And the more people that attend the protest, the greater the pressure goes on our government to take action, and our government. Um, for four months, took virtually no action at all, and finally, last week they, they for the first time, they criticised Israel. Um, this after four months of genocide, the government finally found its voice and criticised Israel. We've got to do far more than that. We've got to, we've got to. Um, the government's got to take practical steps, and by coming on a protest, you help to bring that pressure on the government to take practical steps to halt this genocide in Gaza.
4: Do you have any examples of legislation that was created because of protests?
1: Well, heavens, yes. Um, legislation that's come from protests. Have, um, I mean, I, I think you could say every single piece of legislation that advances democracy and advances um, human rights has come through protest because, uh, I mean, the end of slavery, for example, um, in the world, the... Um, the the struggle for civil rights in America, the um, New Zealand anti-nuclear legislation in the 1980s only got in because of mass public demonstrations and because of civil disobedience protests, people getting out of boats and blocking um, American warships from coming into our ports, the um, gay rights movement, in fact, the anti-apartheid movement here in New Zealand through mass protest and civil disobedience led to led to all our government ceasing contact with apartheid uh, South Africa, bringing huge pressure for change. So I think every advance in human rights anywhere in the world has come through action of ordinary people. Um, the, the powerful elites that, that run the world, they don't respond to anything but strong public pressure, and we need to build that in the case of, of Israel.
4: Would you like to talk about what this week's protest is demanding, essentially?
1: Well, this week the protests come on a weekend where the uh, International Children's Day is being held. That's on the Sunday. So on Saturday and Sunday around the country, the protests are focused on on children, the impact of this war on the children of Gaza. And we've had um, at least 12,000 children killed in Gaza by this um, genocidal Israeli campaign. And that is, that is absolutely um, horrific. If this were Europeans anywhere in the world, there would be absolute outrage. So the focus of the protest is on children and the fact that um, it, it is innocent people that are being killed in this war. And it's a war based on Israel wanting to protect its, its racist system. It wants to protect its, its colonial system, that wants to protect its uh, regime of Jewish supremacy over the indigenous Palestinians. So we've got to challenge this at, at all levels and, and the, the focus is children this weekend.
4: You were recently involved in an altercation with police at a Littleton protest. Would you like to tell us more about this and more on increased police presence at these protests?
1: Well, the Littleton protest was aimed at the Littleton Port Company. We've got five port companies around New Zealand which are allowing Zim Ships, Zim Shipping Company, essentially to come in and they're providing port facilities for Zim Ships. Zim Shipping is... um, it's one of the largest shipping companies in the world. It's an Israeli shipping company, and it says quite openly that its priority is to bring arms and ammunition into Israel to allow it to conduct this war, this genocidal war against the people of, of Gaza. So the Littleton Port Company is, is complicit with this genocide by allowing Zim ships to come through here. We don't know if those Zim ships uh, will have uh, weapons and ammunition on board. Um, they, they 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 would well be uh, be carrying that in transit from other ports to to Israel, so we're saying Zim ships should be out of these ports. So our protest was directed against Zim ships. The police are, are always very quick to respond whenever there's whenever there's a threat to um, the economy, if you like, uh, and so. We did, um protest did block the road um, briefly at, at Littleton, and there was an altercation with, with the police. But I think we have to get serious. If there's genocide happening on the other side of the world, we need to be, to be doing stuff here that disrupts that genocide as much as we possibly can, and that's what the protest here in, in Littleton was about.
4: This was in response to Christopher Luxon's pool party being crashed. Someone wrote... At what point do these protests become too much? Fine, they get to cause major disruption in Auckland, a city every weekend to show their support. But standing in residential neighbourhoods attacking politicians and politicians who have already condemned the behaviour of the opposing side is ridiculous. What would you have to say to this to people who don't necessarily comprehend why this is such a pressing issue?
1: Well, I would say that when there's genocide happening on the other side of the world New Zealand needs to speak out with its loudest voices very clearly. And our loudest voices are the voices of our of our Prime Minister and our Minister of Foreign Affairs, and they have not spoken out against this genocide in, in a way which is bringing real pressure for change. They have been soft peddling. They've been going along with Israel and, and the US for month after month. So a little bit of disruption to to um, Christopher Luxon at his home is nothing compared to what Palestinians are suffering every day so I've got no sympathy whatever for Christopher Luxon and I've got all the sympathy in the world for the people who are who are making his life uncomfortable
4: Any words of advice for people wanting to get into protesting?
1: Well I think um, people should follow yeah follow, follow their, their gut feeling about this and, and if people are not don't feel they're, they're terribly sure about the issues in, in the Middle East. And I can understand that because so many people say it's very complicated and, uh, and, and in fact it isn't complicated. But, but if, if you're ever unsure about a situation of human rights, you should always stand with the oppressed, never stand with the oppressor. And in this case, the Palestinians have been brutally oppressed for the last 76 years and New Zealand and people of goodwill around the world should be standing with Palestinians.
4: In addition to going to protests, what can people do to speak out?
1: Well, what they can do, if if they can't go to our website, psna.nz, they can find there on the front page, just scroll down the front page, there's all sorts of things that you can do, and a lot of them involve contacting the government, sending letters to the government, uh, to MPs, um, uh, you know, Speaking to your local member of parliament, writing letters to your your local member of parliament, talking to friends and family. Um, I think there are a lot of things that people can do. Um, making a donation if they feel um, that's that's what they, that's what they feel most comfortable with. Uh, it's something we all need to be um, more, you know, to, to know more about. But don't feel that you have to you have to know. Um, everything before you take action. That's absolutely not the case. We should stand with the people suffering genocide wherever it's happening in the world.
4: That was John Minto talking to us about the basics of protesting. I don't know how to say this. Beetlejuice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not a child of the 80s. If you were, you would know the film with a similar name. The star is Betelgeuse.
6: Oh! Yeah?
0: <laughs> the Wire.
6: The
5: Wire. Oh. I don't know, and and frankly, the whole thing gives me the heebie-jeebies.
0: The Wire. The Public Service Commission recently conducted a review into the Accredited Employer Work Visa, a visa scheme given to foreign workers with job offers from New Zealand-based employers. The review was conducted following a number of incidents where migrant workers in Aotearoa were found to have been exploited by their employers, with some paying upwards of 16,000 New Zealand dollars to receive visas for non-existent jobs. The review found that the, that the visa scheme reduced the number of checks immigration officers were required to perform on employers, which was done to re- reduce processing times so more workers could be brought into Aotearoa, which ultimately led to the exploitation of workers across the country. I spoke to John Crocker from Unite Union, a, un- a union that advocates for migrant workers amongst a number of other groups who said that there was more to the scheme than what was found in the review. Kia ora John. Thanks for doing this interview with BFM. Just to start off, please introduce yourself to our viewers.
2: Kia ora. Uh, I'm John Crocker, National Secretary for Unite Union. So what's your
0: general opinion of the accredited employer work visa scheme, and what do you think its impacts are on migrant workers here in Aotearoa?
2: Uh, well, the, the system is, is broken. Um, <laughs> I guess when you're warned loudly enough, and you go ahead and do something anyway um, that could be seen as deliberate. Uh, And we've seen some pretty brutal exploitation, which was entirely predictable. I think the system's a disgrace.
0: The recent government review of the uh, employer work visa scheme found that cutting down background checks on employers is what largely led to the exploitation of migrant workers that we've been seeing. But are there any other issues with the scheme that you've personally noticed?
2: Yeah, I think that's missing the point, actually. Um, this isn't a situation where it's about checks and balances or how much work was going on in the back room. This is a system that was fundamentally broken from the beginning, and there is a fix. This actually has a silver bullet. We've been saying this for years. We said it – we were saying it before COVID, um, and I mean, I mean unions like Unite, uh, migrant advocacy groups um, – the, bo- the bonding of a migrant worker to a single employer structurally leads to exploitation. All right? Any system that involves that is a broken system which will produce exploitation. It has been doing it for years. We stopped noticing it during COVID because we didn't have migrant workers, and they brought back in the same system with the same critical flaw that led to the same exploitation that we were seeing before, except you know, uh, fewer checks and balances. Maybe it was a little bit more brutal this time but that is the critical force of the system and you can't fix it until that is changed.
0: So what changes would you like to see being made to the scheme?
2: Well, I suppose fundamentally that one. Um, so we're, yeah, we're in a situation where, where workers um, will often borrow money in their home country, uh, you know, travel to New Zealand and they're bound to work for one uh, employer who, who then exploits them. Um, they're in debt, it's, it's effectively intentional servitude. Uh, they raise a complaint, they can get sacked, and then as soon as they're not employed, uh, they're subject to deportation, very little recourse to justice. Um, that's, that's really the, the first thing we change, is that that has to go. Uh, but this, the system was also, you know, the, the report will mention it was, it was weak in other ways. Um, the vetting of employers uh, was very poor, the, the job checks were poor. We had situations where employers would put forward an application which you know wouldn't specify any guaranteed hours is effectively a zero-hour contract. And so what immigration would do is send it back, you oh, looks like you've missed something in your employment agreement. Could you please update this? It's like, no, no, this person's failed because they're a bad employer. Um, <laughs> people need to be putting their best foot forward. They need to be good employers to be into the scheme, and they shouldn't be funneled into being good employers. We want them to prove they're good employers from the outset. Okay, If someone throws up a job ad that doesn't list the salary, Cool. You guys have failed. You're at the back of the queue. Come back in six months when you raised your game. You know. So I think I think employing migrant workers um, should be should be seen as a privilege for good employers, and there needs to be enough, like strict gates to only allow good employers to to employ migrant workers.
0: So are there any policy changes you think need to be made more on like a government level outside the scheme in order to protect the rights and well-being of migrant workers in Aotearoa?
2: Well, I, th- I think the calls for a review of the system is, is a good one. I think the, f- the first thing we need uh, overall is, is kind of a coherent plan. It's shifted around a lot of governments. Um, it's kind of been a, a, a populist issue. It's like, oh, we can't find workers. Oh, but New Zealand's a little bit racist. And it's just, it swings around a lot. And I think, I think we need like, a coherent plan for, for immigration and, and even, even population over the long term and then, then have settings which are consulted on, which are humane, which are robust, which have enforcement, um, which can then be tweaked slightly to, to address our actual goals.
0: Um, we're coming up to the end of the interview. Is there anything you'd like to finish off with?
2: No, not really. I'd just, just like to, to reiterate that point that the people have been saying for years and years the system was broken, there is one critical flaw, that needs to be fixed it will remain broken until that is changed. It's inescapable and there is a fix to this.
0: And that was John Crocker from Unite Union talking to us about the accredited employer work visa scheme. We'll be back after a quick break.
6: This shit, I grew as Friday, they ain't shit to do. Crashed out in the living room, then woke up in a shitty mood. Little dude, wanna hit the zoo? First, let me just hit the zoo. Can't quit it or admit it, but maybe I'm addicted too. Tell myself these are just trees, I ain't being high or weed. Ain't nobody ever OD from weed. I ain't no fiend, but I can't get no sleep. Got police in my dreams, So fiends all in my jeans. Trust, bruv, you don't know me. Nah, Bozy, nah, Bozy. You don't even half know me. Preaching like some holy mother, brother. Sound ass, holy pop, pop. And then pause, homie, roll me up another half, OZ. Try to get some MD, but the shit was buff, so salty. Got pay him back, to two hunch. Can't get out of bed, too hung. Thank God these two junkies love me too much. Celebrating my old man, because he been clean for two months. You can live your whole life on a drug you said you could do once. Real shit, real shit, and I don't want to feel shit. But I got to feed these children, just let me chill a little bit. Got to take this pill to kill this guilt, but I still feel shit. And I don't want to deal, but I got bills that I can't deal with. The rinse too high. That I grew as Friday, didn't shit to do. Might just sip a little brew. I been stressed, bro. If you knew, old oh boy, that I flip it to, Been going through his shit too. If you knew what the stupid through, you'd be fucked up like him too. It's clear he's not all There, I come around and he's on the gear. Pipe right there on the chair, talking to me like an auctioneer. Sorry, buddy, I ain't got the money. Well, that's something I don't wanna hear. I got a no more leave blow. I can do it grand if you wanna. To- Sounds fair, wanna kill, but I ain't come here to volunteer Can't judge him, no to be fair, about to go get a box of beer Same, same, but different, nothing changed, both addicted Just switched up the substance from a crystal to a liquid Why do we think we're more sophisticated, only because we sniffed it It's a drug when it's in the hood, but it's so good If it's prescription, Twisted. The this sickness is big business When you broke a quick fix might feel like it might fix it But it don't, I'm conflicted, so fuck it, I let him tick it And I hope one day he'll kick it, but let's just be realistic They pay the money that they lend you Fuck if I offend you, i meant
0: to raise this money Scientists have finally found the clitoris Who
3: Welcome back to The Wire. We're joined in the studio by AUSA President, Alan Shaker. How are you doing, Alan? Not too bad. Busy week, but um, great to be here. I bet. It is O-Week. Um, I kind of want to start with a question about O-Week. What's, what's the lineup looking like? What's on the agenda for O-Week this year?
7: Um, so for the past three days, we've had our orientation festival. So you would have seen, hopefully, the streets has been shut down. No buses yeah. driving through, no delivery trucks driving through. Um, and we've had sort of giveaways, activations, lots of vendors giving away free stuff. Um, and tonight we are... Uh, going to work around the clock, so we're going to, from 2pm we're going to sh- uh, move all those vendors out uh, we've got the stage there and we're going to turn it into Alfred Street Party that is a ticketed event, yeah. uh, but it's the official cor- uh, orientation concert. Line up wise, we've got the Katia Nagi Twins, we've got Juju Lips, we've got Sin and Brooke, we've got Savage, Blast From The Past awesome. um, we've got Coterie providing you with the um, you know summer vibes and then we're finishing off with our headline, uh, International DJ's um, Pendulum that's a
3: that's it. a big lineup for an O-Week event. That's yeah, actually yeah. really cool. love love seeing Juju Lipson there. Pretty sure she went to the university too, which is yes, a, is she's nice. a friend of AUSA, so we're, we're always happy to have her back. We love that. Um, I kind of want to talk about some changes to AUSA this year. Can you start explaining by explaining a little bit about the merger with the PGSA and and what that means? and what even is the PGSA? For those who don't understand.
7: Yeah, so the um, PGSA is basically the Postgraduate Student Association um, and a couple of years ago, AUSA and, and PGSA signed a, a Memorandum of Understanding to sort of work together and that's worked well. Uh, but we sort of, as, as last year we got together and we, we sort of want to take that to the next step. So this year we're formalising a process of essentially dissolving the, the PGSA mm. and merging them into AUSA. What that will look like for AUSA is uh, probably more visibly, there'll be some stuff behind the scenes that we'll do in terms of website domains and that, but visibly to students, it'll be um, the creation of new roles in our executive. Cool. Um, And that'll be all confirmed at our AGM coming up in May.
3: And you had a constitutional review, was that kind of to look at how that would fit in?
7: Yep, so basically the team at the moment are going through an entire constitutional review from start to, to finish, because it's been about four or five years since we've done that, yeah. um, and the, the creation of new roles on the executive is, is one part of that, but we're also looking at um, you know our governance
3: structures mm-hmm. and, and how we can you know best serve our students. 100%, how will that merger affect students? I, I guess especially postgraduate students, because you know, they are an important part of the university, How will that change affect them? Effectively, um, you know,
7: PGSA have been struggling for the last couple of years in terms of engagement and getting people uh, to, to, to volunteer to do PGSA. So what this will mean is that um, effectively we can represent all students. Mm. Um, AUSA will have the the resources, the manpower, the staffing to back uh, postgraduate students and 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 continue to spread the PGSA message, but with with um, much more resources and much more spread as well. Our goal is to you know be AUSA and and represent every single student that walks through our doors, not represent certain factions, and by doing this we can sort of make it clear that we've got one unified
3: student voice and we're here to represent everyone. Awesome. Um, and I also kind of wanted to ask about the new partnership agreement that you've signed with the university. What does that mean? What does it entail? So th- this year is is
7: quite an important year for USA. It's, it's one of the reasons why I stayed on from last year. Um, so we we haven't quite gotten to the stage where we've signed the partnership agreement, but what we're looking to do this year is, is um, do that ho- hopefully by, you know, towards the end of the year, get that sorted. Uh, but what that looks like is there's two components to it. One is a funding agreement. AUSA's current funding agreement with the university comes to an end next year. Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's the end of a 12 year agreement. So um, if we don't get something sorted, our funding is, is, is unclear. So that's that's a big part of it and getting our funding sorted for the next 15, 20 years. Uh, and the second part of it is a p- partnership agreement with the vice chancellor and, and, yep. and the university. And what that looks like is them recognizing AUSA as, as representative of the students Uh, but also from our end, um, working in partnership with them and and working closely with them on any initiatives that might come through.
3: And I understand there's been a long-term plan that's been formulated or is in the works. Can you explain a little bit about that and what's in that long-term plan? Yep,
7: so that's um, probably one of our biggest flaws at AUSA is that we, um, over the last couple of years, we haven't had a long-term vision. It's just been, you know, an exec comes in um and wants to do their thing for the year and that can be quite difficult when you're trying to achieve long term mm. um things so what we're looking to do this year is is set a you know 10 year strategic plan um that'll be overseen by our staff and our general manager um and then when you get execs coming in for a year they they you know they're one piece in the puzzle of that long term 10 year strategic plan
3: yeah have, have have you looked at that in terms of like the constitution maybe extending the executive like i guess their term would you call it have you looked at maybe making it two or three years that that's something that a
7: couple other universities certainly overseas do um and in, in new zealand aut i believe do a two-year term and it's something we've thought about um and it's definitely something that's on the cards um particularly for for like the the, the senior roles like the president and the vice presidents you need that continuity um i guess the the thing that's sort of playing in our mind is you know we don't want to deter students from signing up to a two-year commitment mm. Um, when they're only here for three years of study. So that, that, it's something that's on the cards and, and, and we'll hopefully have something by the AGM.
3: 100%. And when is that AGM happening actually? 15th of May. 15th of May, and yeah. all students can, can come and, and join it? Yeah, absolutely, it's open to all students. Excellent. Um, I did want to ask about another project that's been happening for quite a while and actually affects us quite a bit. Yeah. Um, sitting here in, the, in the, the tower, outside we've got construction going on. Those that come here early in the morning, they hear the construction. The Rec Center yeah. should be opening soon. Yes. So when 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 can we expect the rec centre to open? Um, from
7: what I've heard, it's been uh, delayed a little bit in terms of the initial timeline. Um, I think they were hoping hoping to have it open um, sometime in the next couple months. Mm. I think now they're looking at probably more towards the end of the year, yeah. Um, around October, um, October November at uh, this year, and then having it fully launched for the new students in twenty twenty
3: five. Awesome. And can you just remind us some of the facilities that would be a part of the rec centre? What we can expect. Uh,
7: swimming pool, gym,
3: uh, they'll have like, um, you know, basketball courts,
7: turf, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's from what I've seen in, in the concept maps and stuff like that, it's, it's. I'm, I'm sad I'm not gonna be here next year to see it. Yeah, 100%.
3: <laughs> and I actually did wanna finish with asking about the new arts building as well that's open. How's the experience been? Have you been talking to students about that that building, I guess?
7: Yeah, um, it's been amazing. I've been in there a lot myself. Um, Really, really good facilities in there. Good lecture theatres, good tutorial rooms. Uh, But my favourite part of that building is that foyer. Um, I've already seen events being run in there and it's a great open space. um, And the cafe is not bad too.
3: Yeah, I need to go and try that cafe food. Um, Actually, I did want to finish with one more question. Are there any new developments or anything about USA that students should be aware of? Or I guess, yeah. In this new year no I think uh, I think the things I've already
7: mentioned like it's it's um, a big year for us with a lot we want to achieve with the constitution with the funding with the partnership with the merger um, it's, it's it's going to be a lot um, and hopefully all those changes will set up AUSA for the next 15, 20, 25 years
3: awesome looking forward to it big year ahead big week ahead yes absolutely will we see
7: you at the, at the Alfred Street party you will I'll be working uh, probably a 21 hour shift today so <laughs> Well, if you have any tickets, <laughs> yeah. uh, I do have a promo code. If anyone uh, code, yeah. wants to wants to get their tickets, uh, Alfred twenty five we'll give you twenty five percent off. So anyone that's keen uh, can get twenty five percent off their tickets with we that promo that. code.
3: Go see Juju Lips; she's gonna be awesome. That's Thank true. you very much, Alan. Right, Appreciate thanks, it. Tim.
1: That was the wire.
3: That's a wrap on the Wednesday wire. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to everyone who spoke to us today. John Minto, co-leader of the Green Party James Shaw, Amy Chan, and John Crooker. Up next is the One to Fourth Bridge.
0: That was a 95 BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B cart. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.